It has been six months since the crew of the Epic Tracer defeated Sardat Zolan Ulavestra on his misguided quest for the Rune Drive. The loss of their companions still weighs heavily on their hearts, yet hope has blossomed as they have unified their crew under the banner of the Apollo Protection Agency. In the last half of a year, the crew have venerated the loss of Xenophanes V in Sedona by building the APA to new heights in their honor. Titanium Mike and Madame Ziva have been working hard together to partner the APA with the Pools of Paradise, expanding the Apollo Protection Agency beyond safe witness and criminal transport into an ideal of being guardians of justice, protection, and community. Word of the Apollo Protection Agency's deeds in Aslanti star space traveled quickly, and the APA found themselves at the center of some minor celebrity and media coverage. It was agreed that while the APA and the pools are officially partners, the APA will remain the face of the organization so that Madame Ziva may still maintain the discretion necessary to preserve her less-than-legal contacts. Mike has taken to training new bodyguards and freedom fighters. Oren and Fell, with no small help from Rupert, have begun to expand the starport to accommodate the growth of their fleet. A scholarship program for android science enthusiasts' youth has been created in Xena's name, funded by the AAF, or the Android Abolitionist Front, with Erio as the chairman of the Xenophanes Rune Drive Foundation. The Madam has been expanding her reach and her contacts beyond Absalom Station. The Pools of Paradise has become an information network and a well-respected example of employee rights and protections. It is at the Pools of Paradise that we now find Madame Ziva in her office, holding a letter, echoing the fateful delivery from Sedona that came to her nearly a year ago. Hey Emily, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Adam. How are you? Good. So, you will find in our new Roll20 game, a handout. Two, in fact. I want you to read the invitation first. Okay. Felicitations. Paradise Resorts is proud to offer you a complimentary three-week stay at the New Elysium, the diaspora-based luxury resort for the, for the discerning vacationer. Pamper yourself with our sumptuous guest services, including body wraps, massages, and mud facials. Relax in one of our two pools, complete with artificial waterfalls. Indulge in the finest food from across the galaxy, and so much more. All at your fingertips with a brand new Keys to Elysium virtual concierge downloaded directly into your comm unit. In addition to picking up the tabs for your room, meals and other services you indulge in, Paradise Resorts is also holding a grand gala for all guests on the second night of your stay. Meet and mingle with your peers and maybe make a new friend. Disclaimer, Paradise Resorts is not responsible for extra fees you might incur, such as for expensive consumables, top shelf intoxicants, portable gear, augmentations, and similar goods. Um, Ziva, you see attached to this uh, transmission a uh, another email um, that's this was kind of addressed to the pools of paradise but this email is addressed to you specifically um, would you like to read that as well uh, actually i'll read it 
So just say, I really want to hear this cat's voice. Okay. <laughs> all right, let me let me show you all this. Uh, obviously, your characters wouldn't see this, but we're professionals. Okay. Um, so when you open it, you see this very smiley uh, halfling with curly curly blonde hair, pointy ears, beautiful blue eyes, and a big, big toothy grin. Uh, he's wearing like blue skin suit with a little purple bow tie. Um, and he, it, you can tell that this isn't like a live thing. It's like a recording, right? That he sends you. And this is what he, what he says. Madam Ziva, I hope this communication finds you happy and well. It is my great privilege to be writing to such a well-established paragon of our industry, such as yourself. I just wanted to add a personal note on top of the official invitation. To that end, those of us here at New Elysium would be honored to have the great Madame Ziva's insight on our new facilities and technologies that we have incorporated. I realize that to some degree we are competitors, but I hope that we can be friendly rivals that can mutually benefit from each other's resources and experience. Additionally, Word of your affiliation with the Apollo Protection Agency has reached us here at New Elysium, and I would love to have them come with you to provide feedback on our security to ensure that all guests of New Elysium are safe, as we are out on the edges of the diaspora. However, I am more than confident that you will find all of our systems to be top of the line. No expense spared, we relish the opportunity to marinate on you and your team's feedback to make the stay at New Elysium the best it can be for all of our future guests. The invitation is for our soft opening launch party. I cannot wait to meet you, as you are one of my greatest inspirations in person. Cheers and good health, Philip Kausner, New Elysium social manager, Kausner Philip at Elysium.com. <laughs> He's adorable, but I don't trust him immediately. Um, um, does he even know this motive. person? Yeah, you can roll a sense motive on oh. on that if you would like. I would. I would that. Watch me get my dice out. Because I'm prepared. With dice. Okay. Uh, that is going to be a uh, rolled shit. It's going to be a 19. 19 total? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he, it is kind of disarming. He's disarmingly happy, but your sense and your general know, know how in this business or whatever is that he seems pretty, pretty confident and excited to, it seems like he's excited to show off for you and show and show you what, what they've done. I mean, he's obviously, he's a social manager, so there's a little bit of put in, put on that you can certainly sense, but it, you don't get any indication that that he's trying to put one over on yeah. you or, or anything. He seems genuinely like pleased that he has the opportunity to meet you in the way he's meeting you. It's showing you off in his resort, you know? Okay. So he, he seems, he seems really excited. He's no more disturbing than any other salesperson. Basically. Correct. Cool. Correct. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, you Ziva gets these two, well, this kind of joint letter, right? And she sees that not only is her presence requested, but also the, you know, the senior members of the APA. So 
I think it's time for the captain to rally the troops once again. What, what do you think, Emily? No, I think I'm, I'm just going to hang back. I, I don't I don't think it's necessary. No, yes, obviously. We, uh, <laughs> we're going to go round up the, the gang and get the, get the boys back together, you know? I think that's mm-hmm. how that saying goes. Um. <laughs> we, we always start APs with a small person. Like, we started the first one with a little gnome. <laughs> And now a halfling. That is true. Well, yeah, it's kind of thematic connections, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, okay, so Ziva, where are you heading first? You're in the Pools of Paradise as you're reading this. You're in your office. What, what's your what's your steps here? Um, so kind of based on the time of day and, you know, where everything is laid out, um, she's thinking that she'll probably be able to get to Fell first. Um, okay. it's, a, it's a little in the evening-ish. Um, and she knows one of his new favorite hangs, and it's the closest establishment to the pools. So. All right. Well, on your way out, you see kind of um, at the front desk talking to, you know, uh, whoever is attending, attending there, the lobby or whatever. You see Etram, your, your head of security. Um, he kind of nods at you. Uh, Etram, I'll be back soon. Keep uh, an eye on the place. She kind of winks at him. Uh, he winks back, but with his new optical augmentation, um, mm-hmm. you know, and st- you still haven't quite got used to it yet, but you, I mean, you know that he's like really excited about it. Um, you know, and you, you, you see, you see this and you're like, you're, you're kind of excited about it cause it's improving his security. Like mm-hmm. he's, it's a secu- part of a security system upgrade. So as you're heading to fell, you, that, that augmentation kind of makes you think back on some time that you spent with Fell over the last six months. So we're going to go back in time. So guys, let's get our first diddly doos of the interlude here. The rhythmic thrum of music pulses through the lounge area of the pools of paradise. Fell is seated at a reserved table in the VIP section nursing a drink while he waits to meet with his captain. As the last of the amber liquid drains from his glass, the elevator doors across the room open and out steps the madam herself. As usual, she's dressed to impress. This particular outfit makes an impression of a different nature. Black latex seems to have been poured onto her skin as belts and chains of various sizes crisscross her legs and torso. Her white hair is piled high on her head and a long sweep of sheer fabric trails behind her. The last thing Fell takes in as she approaches is the tight coil of braided cord secured at her hip, a tack lash. As she nears his table, he notices two more figures approaching, Etram and Uli, Ziva's head of security and Little Mother respectively. When they all reach the table, Ziva looks down at Uli and with a soft smile says, Ah, Little Mother. Um, would you do me a favor and attend to the councilman? I left him on the cross in the dungeon. If you would, please crane him up a bit before moving him to the oubliette. I'll finish up our session with him after this meeting. Uli dips her head in a quick nod, and Ziva thanks her before she heads off toward the elevator. Etram remains and moves to the opposite side of the table, nodding a silent greeting to Fell as he takes a seat. With Uli gone, Ziva turns and with a welcoming smile, hugs her favorite mechanic. 
Thank you so much for coming by, Phil. This meeting has been long overdue. I'm glad we can finally start on this project. As she steps back from the hug to take her seat, Phil notices a faint spray of blood speckled across Ziva's right cheek. Yeah, of course, Captain. I mean, you call, I come. But, uh, you, uh, you got some schmutz on your uh, cheek there, Captain. With a quick wipe of her hand, the offending fluid is gone. You know, we don't really have to cut up people anymore, unless, you know, you're trying to get through a biolock for whatever reason. I mean, if that's the case, then why didn't you just call me? He asks with his ever-persistent, carefree smirk. Ziva settles into her chair and looks up at her friend. Well, it's not so much a matter of cutting people up because I must do it. It's because I want to do it. Not to mention it's quite profitable. She says with a smirk of her own. I may be the madam, but I still have my own small pool of clientele that I attend to personally. And some of those clients enjoy pleasures of a more painful flavor. Ziva pauses as a waitress stops to briefly hand a long-stemmed glass of bubbling liquid to Ziva and replaces Fell's empty empty glass with a full one. Thanks for the drink, but uh, I'm not sure why anyone would, would, would... want to be in pain. Ziva tilts her head, acknowledging her friend's confusion. (laughs) When applied properly with the appropriate intent, pain can lead to a deep level of pleasure and for some a sense of peace. Everyone has a need they want met and whether that be by the heel of my boot or the sting of my lash, I can do that as long as they're willing to pay. I'm happy to fulfill that need. She takes a quick sip from her drink before continuing. But it isn't just money that keeps these clients in my care. It's the leverage that their patronage provides. Many of my clients are high-ranking members of society. And having the type of intimate information on them that I do, well, let's just say it takes a lot of money, planning, and well-placed favors to facilitate the rescue efforts that we make in Sidona's name. And I use the leverage I gain from my clients to execute those efforts more smoothly. She takes a long sip from her glass and looks back up at Fel. But aside from all that, honestly, it's a bit of a high for me too, I suppose. As some of the most powerful and influential people in all of the packed worlds pay good credits to have me strip them of their status and control for a while is quite satisfying. Such an unbalanced exchange of power can be a heady thing. She smiles at Fella again. This time, though, a ghost of apprehension slips across her face. Had she said too much? She being too honest with her friend? But before she can become too concerned, that easy smile slides onto Fell's face. Hey, all right, cool, boss. I mean, whatever you need to do to make shit work around here. An unexpected laugh bubbles up as she s- slips her drink. <laughs> Thank you, Fel. You know, most people are unnerved by this kind of thing or just aren't okay with it. Fel shrugs. I mean, lots of people aren't okay with cuttlefish cuties, but uh, here we are. Or there we were, at least. <laughs> he shrugs again, and with another relieved laugh, Ziva redirects the conversation. <laughs> well... Cuttlefish cuties and cutting people aside, I asked you to come tonight to talk about upgrading our security systems. Ethrim and I are 
both wanting to have more advanced measures installed so that, well, we also wanted to talk to you about possible augmentations for some of the security personnel. You know, I've been thinking the same thing. Uh, I've already got some systems up or system updates in mind for you, and it's for augmentations. We'll do a little bit of digging, and I'll, uh, I'll get back with you, uh, give you some suggestions. The memory fades as Ziva steps inside the dimly lit room. Fell's newest haunt when he's not at the hangar or the pools is this dive, the parkour. She looks around and spots her mechanic seated at the bar. As the last of the amber liquid drains from his glass, he catches sight of Ziva and smiles. And Ziva, this is, this is what you see. You have forgotten just how tall Felino Marana is. I mean, he does grow every day. Uh, he started at, what, four or five, and mm-hmm. by now he's like ten one. Yeah, something um, like that. He's a big overthony. But standing near him, it's, it's you, you can't deny, you know, standing at nearly eight feet high, he looks down to greet her, smiling as he waves his long, gangly arm. His eyes are large, solid black spheres set into his slender gray-green face. Intricate, almost transparent patterns line his face and head underneath a crop of thick brown hair combed back and shaved on the sides. Fellow's wearing a suit of utilitarian armor that appears to be made for its function, not form, as it features exposed wiring, hoses, and hydraulic cylinders on the sides of his arms and legs, connecting each piece of alloy plating, painted a light blue-gray and trimmed with bright orange accents. An orange stripe runs down the side of his left leg, with the APA's logo set in the front of it on, its, on his thigh. The armor plating sits over a suit of black, high-tensile carbon weave, each plate shaped and molded to precisely fit Fell's long limbs. His web belt is adorned with several pockets and pouches for holding his numerous mechanics tools, including his favorite wrench, a shiny hunk of metal designed for working on starships hanging from a belt loop at his side. Over his shoulder, he carries a sleek Thunderstrike sonic rifle finished in gunmetal gray and accented with the same blue and orange as his armor. Okay. Wow. As uh, he would kind of take it all in and uh, uh, head on up to her favorite mechanic. I say, Ah, Fel. I knew you would be here, unfortunately. I don't know why you love to frequent this establishment. When you could come to the pools, it's much... Cleaner. <laughs> I mean, why would a mechanic want clean? Fair enough. Um, well, <laughs> I wanted to come and uh, share some interesting information drink? with you. Interesting yes, drink? Yes, of course. That too. Uh, mm, garçon. Got us fell drunk. Fell <laughs> <laughs> drunk. A little bit. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, one truly, please. Uh, thank you. Uh, so. <laughs> Space truly. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> no flavor, just just a truly. Pure truly. The un, truest un, of truly. The truest of truly. Um, so yeah, I guess she would get her drink and uh, kind of settle in next to Fell. Is he drunk? He'll find out. He, oh he, shit! Okay, seems, he seems a little drunk. He's, He's not like little... six sheets to the wind, but he is. He is a little bit toasty. Okay. Okay. Um, well, she'd kind of like. Look you up. Like, what does the Rathani look like drunk? Is, do they flush? Do they? I mean, he can change the color of his skin, so honestly, Fair. I'm not sure. Fair Just, enough. See, I like the idea that he loses control of that, yeah. and yeah. it constantly is weaving in different patterns. 
Yes. Some psychedelic skin treatment going on there. Uh, but uh, she cut us down and take a sip of her drink and, and give him the up down. Like, hopefully he'll remember this tomorrow. Um, well, I actually have an invitation. Let me say that again. I have an invitation. <laughs> got an invitation. <laughs> it's truly, it goes gotta flip you straight upside to down. my head. Um, I want uh, I want you to come with me to a spa. All of us, not just me. Uh, that sounded weird. <laughs> yeah, Fell's, Fell's eyes, his, his domed eyes grow somehow even wider. <laughs> 20 feet tall. <laughs> 20 feet tall. Washington, Washington. Oh, God. I heard Six stories high that motherfucker <laughs> had like 30 goddamn dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, God. I'm sorry. But yeah, she would, uh, she would pull up the invitation on her... Uh, personal comms and she says uh, have you heard anything about the new Elysium it's a new resort in the diaspora I don't know how nah. familiar first time I've heard of it well uh, they're having a soft opening and they have invited all of us to come and be a part of that um, Adam I'm sorry three weeks is that right yeah okay oh wow okay yes uh, three weeks enough time for us to I think revel in some of the successes we've had over the last few months. I mean, how much is it going to cost me, though? Uh, no, it's all free. All uh, They foot the bill, as they are saying. So it's, what's the catch? They want a little bit of consultation between myself and the APA for security purposes. As he says in his letter, they are in the diaspora. So a little bit of help is always... You know, looked upon with favor. So essentially, we are trading our um, celebrity and skill set for a free vacation. Huh. I mean, can, you mind if I see the invitation? Look over it real quick. Certainly. And she would kind of like boop and send it over to him so that he can. Mm. Fell pulls it up. Diaspora uh, vacation uh, mud facials. Mm. Uh, Galaxy, fine food, fingertips, calm unit, uh, Grand Gala. Okay, yeah, I'll he go. is drunk. I'll go. He is yeah. drunk. Yeah, let's go. Phil forgot how to read. Um, <laughs> just skips every three words. Uh, good. I'm glad uh, you seem excited about this. That is good to know. Yeah, I mean, do you see the the, the fine print down there? It's it's uh, the augmentations. I mean, of course, I'm going to go. And uh, I don't think it was mentioned, but the the time frame of when they're expecting you there is about two weeks from now. Okay, is is when when it starts. Okay. okay. All right. And how long does it take to get there? I'm bad with space travel. I mean, that a, that long? You know, a day or two. Okay. You know, yeah. As long as it takes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, with his kind of yeah, you betcha. Um. Well, I suppose I'll go tell the rest of the crew. It's fun kind of popping in on people and seeing what they're up to without knowing that I'm coming, you know? And she kind of gave a little wink. Yeah, I just hate that you're leaving, though. <laughs> and he just kind of sits back down and, I guess, shit, he's been sitting this whole time. Um, <laughs> he's drunk. <laughs> he's drunk. 
<laughs> he was sitting, and then he, he sat back up. down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me let me oh, let me sit down. Let me sit down. I'm a, for, I'm a little woozy. For what it's worth, seated, he's the same height as a standing exactly. tall man. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> he's Twelve feet tall. <laughs> Twenty twelve feet tall. Uh, okay. Well, where does Ziva head next? Um, she'd kind of you know give Phil a wave, and she'd also like kind of nod to the bartender and be like, if he gets out of control, give me a call. We'll take care of him, okay? Um, You're not going to, like, cut me, are you? <laughs> That's between you and the bartender. i see you later, Fel. Um, and she would head out uh, towards Mike because uh, APA is probably the next closest place. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you, you go to the APA... And it's getting kind of late. You're hoping you can catch him. And sure enough, like as you get there, he's just like locking the door, you know, right on the outside of the door. And and you see him, you see that Titanium Mike still lives up to his epithet as he appears to be forged from steel. Tall and broad, he dwarfs the captain. The rows of spikes running along his wide brow and at the corners of his angular jaw, the scaly green skin and yellow reptilian eyes all conceal his jovial demeanor. He carries his bulky heavy armor almost effortlessly, and it serves to make him look even more of a walking, talking brick wall. His handcrafted armor is composed of large, shiny plates stacked and fitted over each other, each plate composed of several smaller interlocked hexagonal plates, trimmed off and shaped into blocks, all fitted over a black carbon weave suit, offering him layers of protection. Running down the armor on the sides of his arms and legs are two golden stripes with the letters APA between them. Pinned on his chest plate is a large APA logo. The makeshift gauntlet his father made on Aurelis is proudly displayed on his left arm, his right just more interlocked plates wrapped around a carbon weave glove. He wears a thick utility belt around his waist, each compartment stuffed with various tools, and across his back he carries the massive artillery laser as if it were a broadsword. So you walk up on him. Micah. Hey. He turns and breaks your wrist. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, she does, uh, though, call out to him before she gets too close because, like, you know, training. Turns and yeah. throws a rock at her. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> he's, he's been waiting. He knew you were coming. He just um, keeps rocks in his pockets. At all times, yeah. Pocket rocks. Pocket rocks. Uh, yeah, he turns to us. Oh, uh, hey, hey there, Captain. What's what's going on? We're just closing up for the day. Oh, are you getting ready to head home, or are you? What are you heading to? If you um, don't mind me asking. I uh, I don't know. I may go grab a drink or something. Okay. Well, I'll walk with you. And right. she just kind of. You know, they go side by side She's, um, I wanted to check in with you and let you know about an interesting opportunity that we have coming up oh but first and she'll kind of like look at him like she's excited to hear she's like, how is Rupert I haven't seen him in a little while is he doing alright Mike and his father approached the Apollo Protection Agency offices. 
As Mike fishes the key fob out of his pocket, he turns and says, Tifon didn't take the news about Zeno too well, so, you know, just uh, bear in mind. Of course, my boy. As Mike opens the door, he sees his chunky wooden desk, papers askew, just as he left it. As the Agamasan survey the room, they see Tifon Yi, asleep, face down on the metallic surface of Zeno's desk, a half-empty bottle of clear liquor beside the computer display. Oh, dear. Poor girl. Mike approaches and softly shakes her awake, seeing with a pang of sadness the picture of Zeno looking uncomfortable but smiling as Tiffon beams her hand around his side. Tiff. Hey, Tiff. Wake up, love. I've, I got us all breakfast. Uh, oh, well, Mike, boss, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, uh, I, I pulled a late one looking over the books. Mike looks at her knowingly and glances at the bottle. I admire your dedication. I, you know me, uh, married to the job, she says, but as though the word married reopened a wound, Tiffon burst into tears. Mike hugs her to his chest, patting her back and head. Shh, hush, hush now, love. It's all right, it's all right. After the tears subside, Tiffon says, I'm... I'm so sorry, boss. I just... I just miss him so much. I, I just keep looking at that damn hologram, tearing itself apart and rebuilding itself, and I feel like... I feel like that fucking thing is my heart. Oh, believe me, love. I, I know. I, I really do. He says before gently grabbing her hands and looking her in the eyes. Look, how about this? I got us a nice breakfast and some coffee. Let's go have a bite in the break room, and then you can take the day off. But first, I need for you to meet someone. Boss, how rude of me, And she says, noticing Rupert standing behind Mike. No, 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 don't worry about it. Tiffon Yi, this is my father, Rupert Agamason. She kind of looks shocked for a second, and does her best to gain her composure and says, Pleased to meet you, Mr. Agamason. You're much more handsome than Mike. She says with a wry smile, tears drying upon her face. <laughs> well, we can't all be so lucky, my dear. And Rupert approaches Tiffon, grasping both her hands in his. Let's get to know each other a bit better. I understand we're going to be working together for the foreseeable future. Several weeks later, Mike enters his father's new apartment, arms loaded with snacks and beer. Rupert sits glued to a hollow vision screen in the middle of a wraparound couch, to fawn and fell to either side of him. Hey, what's the score, Pop? Buzzblades are up 22 to 19 over the assailants. Oh, come on, Kefesu. Are you a back or a ballerina? Mike walks over to the bar where Orin is drinking a soda and tosses him a pack of beef jerky. Man, your dad has gotten really into Brutaris. Hey, whatever makes him happy, bruv. But thanks for coming by. No problem. Hey, Rupert. What's the deal with you and Brutaris? I, I mean, you just got here, and now you're the world's biggest Absalom Buzzblades fan. Oh, come on, Arn. You, you too cool for sports there, cowboy? Ooh, commercial break. Snack time. Rupert gets up and walks over to the counter with Mike and Arn. I believe it is beer 30. 
and he hands Rupert an Acatonian Pale Ale. First of all, young man, Ritaris is a fascinating sport, blending the athletics and competitiveness of classical contact sports with the martial prowess of true combat. What's an old vest like myself not to like about it? Second, silly as it may seem to you, his face suddenly gets very serious. I was a prisoner of the Aslanti for 40 years. I wasn't allowed to have arbitrary interests. The only hobby I was allowed was crafting armor and weapons for the Aslanti, and as much as I love my craft, I knew every day I did it that I was fueling the Aslanti hate machine. Brutaris is mine. It's something I can be interested in and enjoy for myself. It's my way of reclaiming my individuality. There's a brief pause after Rupert's unexpected intensity. And third, there is a lovely vest lady who works at the Pools of Paradise, who happens to be an Absalom Assailants fan. And I very much like to antagonize her. Rupert, naughty old man. The room burst into laughter. Uh, Oh, speaking of the pools, where's Madame Ziva? I know she's an important lady, but I was really hoping she would come watch the game with us. One companion, if the pool's not enough for you? Orin asks, prompting for more laughs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, Rupert, uh, Ziva had more pressing matters. Uh, She had to meet some of our new friends at the pools. Uh, She said to tell you she'll catch you in the next one. Game's back on. A few months later, Mike and Rupert again approach the doors of the APA offices. How are your uh, whale polyps there, Dad? Almost as good as watching Absalom squeak out that win against Triaxis last week. Though not nearly as stressful. Yeah, what a match. I mean, congratulations, old man. Your first year... uh first season i suppose as a fan and your team's going to the brutaris bowl with home field advantage to boot all right just let me pop in real quick or grab some paperwork and we can head off to the pub sounds good listen mike thanks for taking me out to my happy birthday a roar of a dozen or more people cuts him off as mike swings the door open you son of a bitch i said i didn't want a party The office is decorated with streamers and balloons, all in the silver and purple of the Absalom Buzzblades. In the center of a long table set with plastic plates and silverware sits a cake. Surrounding the table are all the friends Rupert has come to know as part of his new life here on Absalom Station. Tifon, Oren, Fel, Ziva, Irio, Wilson the doorman at the Click Clack Club, Barnaba and Salu, the owners, and more. Rupert is almost overcome with emotion, but everyone is so jovial that they don't give him time to shed a tear. Bottles of champagne are opened, and the cake is eaten, until finally, Mike taps the side of his champagne glass, and everyone quiets in anticipation of a speech. Alright, alright. Thank you all for being here to celebrate my dad's birthday. I'm not much of an orator, so I'll keep this short and sweet. Look, I never thought I'd see my old man again. Hell, I didn't think he was alive. But apparently, truth is stranger than fiction, and to my great delight, he turned out to be a great man and a better friend. 
This man was a captive of the Islanti for 40 years, and now he's out of chance to forge a new path with new friends. All of us. Dad, there's nothing I can do to replace the years we lost, but I can bloody well try. So before, before I get all wet round the eyeballs, you better start opening all these presents we got you. Michael, you guys, you didn't have to do this. I, thank you so much. Get to unwrapping, old man. <laughs> Rupert begins unwrapping his presents to the cheers of his friends. He receives a purple and silver scarf from Tiffon, an engraved Buzzblades flask from Wilson, a Click Clack Club VIP gift card from Barnaba and Salu, an exquisite pair of dress boots from Ziva, a Buzzblades tool bag from Phil, from Fell, and a purple cowboy hat courtesy of Oren. And finally, Rupert unwraps the small box that Mike hands him and beams as he unfolds a jersey. You didn't. It's a Yazaloyago commie jersey? Mike, thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, Papa Gamasan, I, I think you dropped something there. Rupert looks down to his feet, where two pieces of paper have fallen out of the box. He picks up the papers and looks at them, speechless. Well, go on, what does he say? Hamas for Theatorium, Absalom Station, the Brutaris Bowl. One week later. Mike and his father step out of a hover cab in front of the Hamas for the Theatorium. It's glorious, Michael. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really something, in it? They arrive at the venue early because Rupert doesn't want to miss a chance to explore the legendary Theatorium. The gates have not yet opened to fans and Mike can see why. The building morphs before their very eyes, expanding and elevating to provide additional seating. Mike grins and looks at his awestruck father. Hey there, pick up your chin, old man. Let's get a drink or three and go talk some shit. A couple of hours and a few drinks later, the father and son walk through the gates of Hammersfor Theatorium and Mike guides them to their seats. Rupert exclaims, Michael, these seats are fantastic. I didn't know we'd be so close. Well, we want to see all the action, don't we? As luck would have it, the madam pulled some strings to free up these seats for us. Hey, and uh, before it kicks off, I'll put 10 credits on Quarren for MVP. That geezer, he's practically retired already. You're on. No one's got a chance against my girl Gokami. He says as he points excitedly to the number 13 on the jersey Mike by him. Hey, you're one to talk. Oh, here we go, Mike. Game time! The sea of purple fans boo as the players for Arl United takes their places on the course. The Akatonians look menacing, but smaller than their opponents, being made up mostly of Akeshti and Yusoki, with a couple Hilki humans thrown in the mix. A hush falls over the crowd in anticipation of the home team. Absalom Station, give it up for your very own Absalom Buzzblades! And Rupert jumps out of his seat, sloshing beer on Mike as each player runs out of the tunnel. Mike begins to laugh when he sees the excitement on his father's face. And finally, number 13, Absalom's favorite lockback, the Demoralizer, 
Yazaloya Gokami! Mike cheers alongside his dad, still giggling. Signals for a round of beers from a wandering salesman. Hey, cheers, Pop. Here's to a good match. End of that ten credits you're gonna owe me at the end. The match is brutal. The Akatonians start fast. A Yusoki claiming the Brutaris first and the burlier Keshti surrounding her like a phalanx. Arl United's com combination of speed and careful tactics make the match difficult for the Buzzblades. Absalom battles back with the aggression and ruthlessness, taking advantage of the ever-changing obstacles on the pitch. Numerous injuries occur throughout the match. An Akeshti's arm is broken, defending a Yasoki back, and Absalom Hewn is pushed off a 30-foot platform, landing unconscious. Two players rush to the undefended Bruteris, colliding in a tangle. Neither gains possession, but one does dislocate a hip. The other shatters an elbow. With the last seconds of regulation time dwindling and the Buzzblades down by a point, Yazaloya charges, the veteran forward Corin defending her flank. She leaps off one of the lower obstacles. Just as it appears she will be blocked, Corin crashes into the Akeshti guarding the goal. She slams the Brutaris through the goal just as the clock reaches zero. Buzzblades win! Buzzblades win! Buzzblades win! Yeah! Alright, here's the 10 credits I owe you, old man. He says with a toothy grin. I told you, no one had a chance against the demoralizer. Yeah, but the old geezer, as you called him, had a bit of life left in him after all, didn't he? Rupert's eyes glistened with tears of joy. Thank you, Michael. Truly. I couldn't have hoped for a better gift. Oh, now don't you go getting all mushy on me yet. We still gotta hit the click clack club and get sloshed enough for me to talk you into an APA tattoo. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, my boy. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> so sweet. Uh, okay. So so we're we're back now in the present with, with Zevo walking down the sidewalk towards the bar for a happy hour drink with Mike. Um, so she was kind of listening on as Mike sort of just tells her what all's been going on with Rupert and everybody. And she says, that's wonderful, Michael. I'm glad that he's settled in as well as he has. And well, I'm glad that you are, you seem happy too. Yeah, I mean, it's not every day you get to rekindle with your father you thought was dead for almost half a century you know <laughs> so that feels dark now that I say it out loud uh, uh, but yeah it's, it's been really nice and he's 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 found a home here in Absalom Station well good Michael you've done you've done a lot and you should be proud of yourself um, I'd say you've done so much you deserve a reward. And she would kind of boop her uh, comm unit again, and the invitation would pop up, and she'd slide it over to his comm unit and says, uh, The APA has 
earned a certain amount of uh, recognition and it is um, paid off. We've been invited to come to a new spa that's opening in the diaspora for three weeks. So all paid vacation. What do you say? A spa. Did you not hear what I just told you? Like I just went to the Brutarius Bowl like a week it, ago. Exactly. You're a well-rounded vesk. You need a little bit of rough and a little bit of relaxation. The R&R, as they say. I mean, I, I only worry about like not being here to do what I need to do for the APA. I mean, last time, you know, when we, we ran off, we were gone for quite a while. I got a business to run. Well, luckily... As we have discussed many times before, this is not a one-man operation anymore, or a one-woman operation. We have very capable people. They can handle it for three weeks, Michael. We deserve a little bit of a break. I, I know, I know. I just I feel bad running off. What? I mean, if... I mean, if you think it'll help raise our profile and he like winks at you you know (laughs) (laughs) and she would she'd be like well if you're so intent on working they actually want us to come and could do a bit of consultation for security purposes so you can put it in as a guise under that how about that all right wait did that oh there's a a gala well, I wasn't going to mention that. I was just going to buy you all clothes and, and dress you up for it. But yes, there is going to be a gala. It's going to be fabulous. I'm very much looking forward to getting everyone in a suit, particularly Oren. All, right. all <laughs> right, look, I'll, I'll go. I'll lay the APA in someone else's hands for three weeks if, if you'll make me one agreement. All right. Well, what's the agreement first? You got to be my date to that gala. And she would kind of look up at you and uh, put her arm like around yours and kind of uh, pat your forearm and be like, Michael, it would be my absolute pleasure to accompany you. All right. Well, just uh, let me know when I need to start making preparations. You know where I'll be. Wonderful. Well, um, there's one more person that I need to check in with this evening and uh, let them know about our little upcoming soiree. Wish me luck with Oren. I imagine I will need all that I can get. <laughs> Just let me know if I need to rough him up a bit. I will. Keep your calm on. And she would kind of pat you as you, I guess, she walked you to the pub and kind of will leave you to your to your evening delights. Yeah, get a little salute. I, I imagine there's probably only one place that you can find Oren, and that would be at the hangar with the Epic Tracer. Yeah, um, and so she heads that away, and I, I feel like she's probably, she's the captain. She's got a key to the hangar, right? She ain't got to go knocking anymore. Right, like, I don't think so, yeah. She's, she's pretty bougie. Um, yeah, and you walk in, and, and you, you see, uh, well, as you're walking there, I think you're thinking back to some time. You spent some one-on-one time with Oren over the last six months, Yeah. Yeah, um, she definitely has. And um, well, let's dig into that a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Ziva walks behind Oren, 
taking in the crisp evening air as they march along the flat plains of Akaton's surface. They are out near the Adeo Rift, a massive canyon spanning the circumference of the planet. Oren seems to be familiar with the area, and he takes a decisive path across the flats. Occasionally, he glances up at the clear night sky, as if to orient himself with the constellations. Ziva feels a strange sense of comfort when she stares up at the stars, some small peace in an otherwise inhospitable and unsettling landscape. Thanks for coming along, Captain. I appreciate the company. Of course, Oren. I am more familiar with this planet than some, and I know all too well that good company can be hard to find out here. Best to bring your own. She gives him a friendly wink. You know... I spent a little time on Akaton, long ago. Hard to believe it's been nearly 25 years. The number sets Ziva's mind to work for a moment, but she doesn't dwell on it. They arrive near the canyon's edge. The vast scar across the planet's surface stretches out endlessly in either direction, but Oren has led them directly to a solitary gravestone in the middle of the desert. Red dust covers the stone, obscuring the name written upon it. I was working a job for Abadar Corp. Ended up sticking my neck out for the suits because I thought the payout would be worth it. Cost me a lot more than credits in the end. Oren waves his hand, and mystical energy shimmers across the tombstone, erasing the dust and revealing the name Evelyn Shiazra. I loved her, Ziva. And I killed her. She might have killed me if I hadn't, but... She was just trying to do what she thought was right. Reckon I thought it was right, too. Ended up blowing up a whole damn mine for her. And Ziva's eyes widen at her friend's unexpected revelation. Oren, I'm... I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't even begin to imagine what that... Her condolences die on her lips, dry now from the dusty wind blowing all around them. She doesn't know how to console him, or if he even wants to be comforted. As her shocked expression softens, her gaze slides from Oren to the tombstone, and then to the sunken cliff edge nearby that was once the mine entrance. She has a revelation of her own. It was a Thursday, around 11 in the morning when it happened, wasn't it? Ziva looks back at Oren, and he wears an expression that is close to hers only moments ago. Huh? Yeah, I think it was. Wait, how'd you figure that? I, I was here. I was on Akiton at the time. I remember the explosion. The tremors reached all the way to the city, cracked some of the columns at the Colosseum, they crumbled walls in the slave cells. She looks up from the sagging precipice and stares at Oren her eyes full of anger, pain, and understanding. Then her face softens, puzzled. We were both here, suffering at the same time, together but alone. Can you believe such a thing? <laughs> there was a time when I'd have been surprised by that, but now, <laughs> yeah, I believe it. A small smile slips onto her face as she nods. Oren turns away, facing the desert, his eyes squinting at something in the distance. Didn't ask you to come all the way out here just to reminisce about the good old days, though. 
Remember what we've been working on? Orin reaches for his rifle, he shoulders the weapon, and quickly fires a single shot into the desert night. The report echoes down the canyon. Come on. Time to try it for real. He strides off towards his target, and Ziva follows. They find themselves in front of an injured squawk lying on the ground. It whimpers meekly. Blood has pooled around it in the sand. Oren's aim was true, and Ziva can see it is quickly dying. All right. You can do this, Captain. Focus. Stabilize it first. As Ziva kneels down next to the wounded animal, she feels her mind enter a state she's become familiar with in her last few months of training with Oren. She feels the weight of the stars above her as they seem to press against the indigo sky. She closes her eyes and focuses on the flow of life force, the cosmic energies contained in all living beings. The outline of the animal seems to burn behind her eyelids and she sees not just its blood, but the creature's essence pouring from its body. Her hands hover just above the wound and with a pulse of her own power, the injury appears to knit itself closed. The bleeding now stanched, she opens her eyes and looks up at Orin. That's it. Now heal it. Just like we practiced. Siva nods as she turns her attention back to the animal and its thick red fur, marred with a spray of even thicker red blood. She closes her eyes and focuses again on the hum of energy. Again in her mind's eye she sees the shimmer of cosmic light but this time, she channels not just from herself, but from all the energies around her. The essences of the surrounding flora and fauna, the ever-present heat of Akatonian sands, the pale moonlight that bathes them all, and the almost imperceptible shifting starlight that constantly surrounds Orin. She pulls from all of these energies and gently guides that ethereal current into the squawks. With a jolt, the lithe little creature is on its feet, its head bobbing up and down as it sniffs. The wound is gone. Even the blood on its fur has been magicked away. Good job, Captain. Well done. Never doubted you. Ziva smiles down at the, re the revivified squawks. With a quick twitch of its bushy tail, it darts off into the night. As she stands, she takes a moment to survey the jagged and desolate landscape her gaze finally stopping on the twilight horizon. She notes to herself that Akaton may be a harsh world, full of even harsher memories, for both her and her friends, but bathed in the soft kiss of cosmic light, even this scarred red rock can be beautiful. And with that on your mind, you see Oren standing... Uh, well, what, where are you doing, Orin, when she walks in? Just what's your position? Uh, he's probably just lounging around the hangar, I suppose. You know what I mean? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing too serious. Well, what you see when you see, uh, your, your new mentor to some degree, um, is that he's still wearing his Spec Ops AG armor, but he has had the Aslanti green coloring removed, seemingly by hand. The carbonate plates now have a light gray sheen with intricate cosmological star chart patterns you would commonly see on the robes of Hebraic priests etched into them from shoulder to toe. Across his left shoulder, he wears his efficient bandolier along with the scabbard containing the prized lever-action rifle 
Evelyn. The rifle itself has been refinished in brushed stainless steel with similar star chart patterns engraved along the barrel, receiver, and the lever itself. On his right chest plate, the APA logo fell placed features prominently. Around his waist he wears a gun belt with his pistol slung low on his left hip. His belt buckle features Ibra's holy symbol, a compass with an arrow through it, set behind a six-star constellation. Hanging from his belt are a number of storage pouches. Around his neck and across his back he wears the same old faded red tattered cloak. On his head, the hat of disguise he inherited from Titanium Mike styled to appear like a pinched front leather cowboy hat. His hair is a little grayer, but brushed and swept behind his ears. His beard is thick, but well-shaped, suggesting he's taken Captain Ziva's grooming advice to heart. Hey there, cowboy. How are you? Uh, Hey, Captain. A little late to be making calls, isn't it? Oh, you know me. I have an odd work schedule. How are things around the hangar? Pretty quiet right now. Not too much going on. What can I do for you? Uh, Well, I was uh, just coming by to share some exciting news with you. I know that you're going to be very excited about it and not at all fight me on it. Oren's Oren's eyes kind of, like, narrow at that. He's like, "Uh, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) It's like, not the best approach with this guy. (laughs) Uh, She will, uh, again shoot the invitation over to his calm and he says we have been invited to an all expenses paid consultation we'll call it we'll call it a working retreat let's call it that it's a um, a new resort this opening in the diaspora and they have asked for my advice as the proprietor of the pools and the APA for security um, consultation. Uh, so yes, it'll be uh, like a working lunch, but for three weeks. Uh, Captain, this is exciting this is and about, fabulous. I know you're yeah, very excited. It's, it's talking about massages and facials and. Come on now. Listen, Or, none of that is uh, required. It's, it's all op- optional. So you only have to go to like three facials with me. It's, it's going to be fine. One a the, week. The fact that you haven't giggled at yourself yet <laughs> shows some real growth. <laughs> I was trying so hard. So, uh, I mean, Orin's still reading the invitation and he's like, Talking about a grand gal, I don't, I don't want to go to no ball, Captain. Orin, I have never asked anything of you as long as I've known you, I believe. You I, uh, sure about that? I'm pretty sure I have a pretty good memory. But I ask you this. Just, just come. We're all going. Everyone's going to be there. It's going to be a fabulous time. And if you want, you can pretend it's all work. Oren looks down again at the invitation and, like, sighs heavily. And is just like, everyone else is going. Yes, everyone agreed wholeheartedly. They're very on board. And 
are super duper excited. All right, Captain. But I'm not getting any facials. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> okay, we get three facials and only do Zero two body wraps. This will be fine. Uh, this no is going body to be, wraps. Okay, fine. I, I will say this. You do not have to do any kind of spa treatments, but you do have to let me dress you for the gala. All right, so at this point, Orin looks defeated. Yes. Like, All right, fine, Captain. <laughs> Wonderful, and she would run up. She would hug you. Like she's super excited about this because <laughs> she wants to show off her crew. Like she, yeah. We have had a lot of, you know, celebrity kind of pushed upon us as a group, and she wants to be able to show you guys off, and that you all do absolutely deserve a a, a retreat. Um, so. That's that's great, Lena. And let's, you know, we've we've done all these little little personal flashbacks and and connections or whatever. But I think the biggest development that we haven't talked about yet is the joining of the APA and the Pools of Paradise. And and you know, to your point, Emily Ziva is very proud of this, and I imagine all of you are wanting to show it off. So let's just talk a little bit out of character about. What what is the new APA? What does it look like? T- talk to us about it. Inquisitive minds want to know. Mm-hmm. Why are you so famous? Uh, well, because we stopped the space Nazis for one. That's yeah. a good. That's a good start. It's a good start. Okay. All right. <laughs> we stopped a space Nazi. That's it. Well, he I had mean, other was, space Nazis in his employ. Okay. Well, you stopped, him from, you stopped him from providing an opportunity for all of the space Nazis to quickly descend anywhere. That's the one. Yeah. Um, uh, so what have you guys been doing in the six months? What does the new APA look like? So we have used essentially the established connections that, you know, Ziva and Sedona had already with uh, the Android Abolitionist Front. We have kind of sort of brought those ends together. Um, that's pretty much been Ziva's main focus is working on the networking and uh, kind of getting all of the information and intel together. Uh, and then essentially the guys have been handling the brunt work, you know, so or the grunt work rather. So. Yeah, I mean, Orin and Fellow have been working on growing the fleet because there are, um, there are, we have underlings now, basically, and um, they have their own missions. You know what I mean? You don't call uh, the squad in for simple, like any old protection job or whatever. Yeah, safe passage to to Abalon like they used yeah. to. You know, which which is to say. We are the APA as a public like business entity is still doing that kind of stuff. We don't want to like change the public perception of what the APA is other than that it's growing. Right. Yeah. That's a super good point because uh, so the Android Abolitionist Front is not a. Hmm, let me see. Strictly legal organization. Yeah, uh, or, or very visible. I think most of their communications are rather their, um, uh, what is it called when you hand out 
like flyers about your radical propaganda. Propaganda. That's the one. Thank you. Um, yeah. So all of their propaganda goes through like pirate radio, basically. Um, they're, they're very hush hush. Like, I don't think it's known where their main base is. Am I correct in that? No. To the like general public, not so like in the books. They're they're not like looked at as necessarily like a criminal organization or anything like that. It's just that they, there's a lot of stuff that they do covertly and maybe kind of outside, outside of the law. But I think that with Sedona being a steward who kind of leaned into the uh, Android abolitionist front, that there's kind of a tentative agreement between them that the stewards will probably stay out of their way as long as they're maintaining that they're, you know, liberating oppressed people. Right. Yeah. And I think that the, that goes to say that the APA now has at least allies in the AAF and with the stewards, you know, the stewards are a connection for you guys because they, they are thrilled that of, of what you did, you know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, I think that probably goes back to some of your networking skills, you know, with Madame Ziva and, you know, Madame Ziva's Pools of Paradise has a lot of resources. So that kind of pushed up the APA and what they could do, which is why they're able to expand their, their hangar and why they're able to expand to have, you know, underlings, as you said, Zach, right? Like it, it's because you are trying to become an entity that is an ideal but you can't do that overnight. So yeah. that's what a lot of the six months has been is you guys working very, very hard to like boost it up. Is that accurate? Yeah. CEO. Yeah. Well, and uh, correct me if I'm off base here, but <clears throat> I think uh, that kind of expansion that we're doing kind of in a, in a public eye has allowed, uh, you mentioned in the very intro to this thing that Mike is doing a lot of the like training of like soldiers and like, ground units that would, you know, be members of the AAF or, you know, kind of joint members, APA, AAF, Android Abolitionist Front, excuse me. So Mike's not doing a lot of the day-to-day kind of stuff in the APA as it formerly existed. He's got basically like a training facility It like that he accesses through the offices and that's where mm-hmm. he's he's training soldiers. Like he's basically yeah. being a drill sergeant to some degree is like his day job. So would you say that some of the business end is being held kind of as from a team perspective of Rupert and Tiffon? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I will also say though that Rupert, I feel like, is probably at least some of the time working with because this whole thing is more amalgus now. So he, sometimes he's working with Fell and with Oren and with, um, with, with Mike because they all have like certain degrees of like engineering prowess to like work on the technology that we need to outfit these people that we're training. Well, he's the COO, right? So that's the thing is he's kind of in charge of the different departments and organizing them and kind of keeping them on task, right? That's what you've, the position that you gave him. And that's typically what a C, uh, chief operating officer does is, is make sure that all the different departments of an organization are you know, sure, sure, communicating and doing, you know, staying on task or whatever. And I, I, I mean, John, I'll, I'll let you answer this question. Um, how is Rupert enjoying that position? 
So, uh, yeah, as far as Rupert, uh, I would say that uh, his intelligence allows him to be able to perform these duties. Probably actually relieved at the fact that he's not just having to build armor for a war machine. You know, it's, he's, he's able to be next to his son. You know, he's, he's able to at least contribute in a way that's benefiting him and a worthwhile cause. So I'd say that he's slipping into it very well. If so you, Heath, it, go I was going to say, if you don't mind, if I interject a little bit, I can't help but think based on the personality that we've cultivated for Rupert yeah. through this, this adventure, like he, I think he's probably doing a very good job of that. He's intelligent. It's not the like hands-on labor. And so in his old age, that would be a relief, like you said. But I think it's also the kind of thing where like, no matter how much you try to keep him behind a desk every now and then he shows up and just starts tinkering with like, if you're working on a ship or working on some armor. Oh he, yeah. Like, he's the guy that like that comes behind zombie. you and, and while you're doing it, like shows you up like, Oh, you're forgetting about this bolt over <laughs> here. Or right. Yeah. Fix that for you. So, so I'm going to pose this question to both Emily and Heath. You know, Heath as the CEO of APA and Madam Ziva as the CEO of the Pools of Paradise. And you guys are kind of joined under this one, one banner. What would you say? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but what, what would you say that the mission statement of the APA is now? Like, what is their goals as, as an ideal? I mean, I I think it's pretty easy to speak for both of us. And sorry if I'm butting ahead of you, but I mean, like, we are allied with the AAF. We are in the rescuing business. We want to free oppressed peoples. Now, the AAF's goal is primarily focused on androids, but uh, Emily and I had talked about this uh, off off air that it would kind of be the thing where, like, yes, we are absolutely about freeing all the androids that we can and bringing their people to justice or whatever. But also, like, if we run into other oppressed peoples, we're not taking that off the table, you know? Yeah, yeah. you're not the AAF. You're yeah. the APA, you yeah. know? And your, we, your we scope very is much, bigger. We very much help the AAF and appreciate their mission, but we are not bound to only focus on that singular cause. Right. Right. So, overall, I'd say that it's definitely... Securing the safety of oppressed peoples. That's the okay. mission. That, that's a mission statement right there. I like it. So, I mean, that's that's what the APA... I mean, you guys are the Apollo Protection Agency. You've been the Epic Tracer crew for the first book. But it's it's grown. It's, you know, you guys are the, are the, are the main factors of the... Uh, the Epic Tracer crew is the main heads of departments for the APA, but the APA is bigger than just the four of you, right? It's Rupert. It's Tiffon. It's the people that work for you. It's your connections. It's, it's Uli. It's Atrum. Yeah. It's, it's the yeah. people it's the that you say club. It's all, it's all <laughs> of it, right? Like you are, you are trying to elevate yourself to the same level of, duty and recognition maybe not that you're doing it for fame but but legitimized as a true faction of of justice 
and protection. You know, yeah, and I, I think I can't help but think that that would kind of be one of the interesting things right now is that we're still the two businesses that make up the alliance that really is the APA now. Um, both are still maintaining their public fronts mm-hmm. while trying to turn into something bigger, a a faction on the scale of like us, you know, Starfinder Society or something like that. So, I I can't speak to like how far we've gone. In terms of that, as far as the public perception, like, but at some point it it will start to become more and more apparent that like, okay, well, this isn't just a bodyguard service and a brothel, right? Yeah. So that's- But I don't know if we're there yet. That's what Ziva's hoping to get out of this excursion to New Elysian. New Elysium. Um, uh, So, yeah, uh, truly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, she wants to be able to boost that recognition, that that brand recognition, essentially. Yeah. Um, and this seems like a really good way to spread it beyond just, you know, the immediate packed worlds. Well, that specifically is why I, I kind of made the point in our, our scene earlier for um, Mike to be like, are we looking to... You know, is, is this a, a growing our, I can't remember what I said, growing our reputation or raising our profile mm-hmm. kind of thing and like winked at you like, is this an objective for the kind of sort of secret entity that is the APA? Oh, or yeah. is this you just trying to take us on a fucking spa vacation? Look you know? on me, look on me. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, Josh and, and Zach and John, feel free to... F- to, to chime in here, I know, I know it's tough because you're a founding member of the APA and mm-hmm. that character is gone. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, also this APA is a lot of why it's growing is because of Zeno's sacrifice and who he was and, and trying to memorialize him. As I said, there's, there's a new scholarship foundation in his name. So what about the three of you? How are you guys feeling being a part of this? Because you guys weren't really a part of anything other than a ship crew. You know, Zeno specifically was kind of a loner in a lot of his life until he mm-hmm. was in the APA. Right. But, but, um, you know, Oren and Fell, I mean, before, before this, you guys were definitely, yeah, we're definitely like, just kind of part of a ship crew, and now you're part of a bigger cause. How's how are you guys feeling about it all? I mean, Fell's happy to be working for a cause that he actually believes in, to have some sense of purpose, and to not just be a corporate flunky. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, to to have people that he loves and cares about, and you know, to be working for the betterment of everyone. Yeah, I think Josh summed that up really well because uh, both Oren and Phil have a, a similar history of being corporate flunkies mm-hmm. and, you know, for working for something they didn't necessarily believe in. So now having that sense of purpose, that's that's big for Oren. It's, uh, you know, he definitely feels like, like he has meaning in his life. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Zeno would be incredibly proud that not only has this mission been a success, but also seeing or well, uh, also having the group, the crew actually grow into something 
beyond, I would imagine, his wildest imagination, you know, actually mm-hmm. becoming something that is trying to grow into the equivalent of, as you said before, the Starfinder Society or, you know, something along the lines of that. Um, that and that they're all healthy and prospering and getting a well-deserved rest. Well, I think that you guys are well on your way to to establishing the APA as something big and important. Um, and, and over the six months, you guys have worked very hard, and that hasn't been without its benefits. You guys have made some money, which I allowed you guys to use that money to shop a little bit off air. And so, like, I don't want to go through every little thing that you got, but does anybody have a particular item that they're excited about that they got a lot some of it was kind of hinted at in the character descriptions but just wanted to give you an opportunity to to share if there's something special that you're you were excited about Orin had his gun upgraded which i'm pretty excited about it does a lot more damage now so it's very expensive but it was worth it nice is that what that uh that plating is kind of signify that a little bit yeah right that was a sweet description of that gun too yeah, thank you, Zach, for all the character descriptions. Great, great work there. Yeah, appreciate, seriously. Appreciate that. Very, that was really good. good. Um, we totally didn't put those in there to inspire artists to draw nope. our characters <laughs> at all. Not at no, all. No, no. Not <laughs> no. even a Actually, little. No, nah, I, would, I wouldn't even want a full body <laughs> art of Titanium Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do it. Don't Sweet even think about it. Sweet carbon nano weave. Oof. Uh, anybody else get a, a cool thing? Yeah, uh, Fel got a new rifle and some new armor, so he's going to be nice. So uh, he's going to be rolling, hopefully a little bit more effective in combat. You know, having a D10 on the we'll damage see. die instead of a six. Oh, that's and a good. Plus seven. Yeah, that's an upgrade. That's, cool. a, yeah. that's a two two size die upgrade. Yeah. That's big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huge. What about Ziva? I was say, speaking of being better at damage. Uh, Ziva upgraded her pistol. Um, she's still rocking. Uh, you're gonna be doing one d six now. Oh, <laughs> ha, 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 ha. no! Ziva is rocking a hand cannon. Ooh, she girl, has wow. this big, gaudy, gorgeous, fantastic gun, and it does one d twelve plus three. Holy shit! Piercing. So reload every. Goodness gracious! After every shot, though, it's six. It's a six shooter. It's six. Six shooter. It's yes. a big old six shooter. This is a uh, what was le- level six item. Nice. So yeah, yeah I think Orin would be feathering that hammer. Mm-hmm. Great. It's what about be you? Hot. What about you, Heath? What did uh, Mike pick up? So. um... Oh man, guys, help me out. What is the the lady? She had the Netflix series. It's like Declutter Your Life. If oh, Marie Kondo, Joy, Marie yeah, Marie Kondo. Kondo. Yeah. Uh, Mike pulled a bit of a Marie Kondo and sold a lot of stuff because he had so many, you know, guns and stuff that some of them that did not bring you joy. Out, they exactly. didn't bring me joy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually, did you say thank you as you got rid of each one? Thank you. Uh, thank you for the uh, very small amount of credits that you provided. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I did sell several things. So it, it did, you know, the cumulative amount did help. Um, so I I kind of decluttered Mike's life a lot so that he could do a couple of cool things. One, I upgraded my armor because like, you know, as we Mike's story has been that he is an engineer of armor. He crafts his own armor. He just keeps upgrading even if that means I go and pick stats of a higher level armor. He makes it, right? So that's one of the things that 
outside of the scene that we did, he and his dad have bonded on over the six months as his dad and probably fell helped him upgrade his armor. So he's got, uh, you know, a good bit better AC. Um, I also got, uh, an ability crystal and normally I wouldn't mention this, but I mention it because I initially was going to get it to bump my strength up to 20 and I realized my strength was already at 19, so it would have bumped it to 21. And I got to thinking about it, and I was like, I'm still going to take the ability crystal, but I put it in constitution. So now I have 20 constitution yeah. so that he's nice. a better damage sponge, a better protector. Get that nice. tanky boy. Man, you're just really, really blowing up that that tank bodyguard building. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. I really do. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Um, okay. Well, what about you, it? John? What did you buy? <laughs> uh, well, I'm a you pile of t- dust. Oh, right you're trying. Damn it. I thought we you're were trying. Gonna... You we are were trying. trying. Tease it uh-huh. out. All right. Um, so, yeah, you guys have gotten some cool stuff over the last six months. You've been very productive. I think ha- gotten even more close as a group. A couple of you have gotten closer. I, you know, I think uh, particularly the captain and Oren have had some bonding um, and, and I'm sure all of you over the course of the six months has, but as, as the captain has told you, it's time for a little, a little bit of rest and relaxation. And so you guys all kind of meet up at the scheduled time to get to the, uh, to, to the, at the Epic Tracer to head out to the diaspora to New Elysium and everybody's there, but the captain is, is not, hasn't, hasn't arrived yet. And, you know, she's... Fashionably late, as always. You know, as you're waiting on the captain or any of you, I mean, surely you guys have been hanging out, but is there any kind of bubbling excitement as you guys are getting ready to go? You guys having any any chatter as you're waiting on the captain? Orin will be like, I still think this is a bad idea. Yeah, come on, Orin. Probably find you a girlfriend there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey guys, I, I, Pops, forgive me, uh, he's been keeping us under wraps. You know we went to the Brutaris Bowl, right? Well, yeah. we got pretty sloshed during and after, and I, I can't believe it, I talked my old man into getting an APA tattoo. <laughs> and it hurt, Rupert. Surprisingly, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it at all, <laughs> but I don't regret it either. <laughs> now, well, I'd hope not. And then he just uh, turns right over to uh, his son, and it's just like, "So you're going on a pleasure cruise, huh? Well, don't get too dolled up while you're over there. If you start coming back with more makeup than Ziva." Well, you carry your mother's in my love. <laughs> well, hey, pops, look, like I'm a former professional boxer, but you can cool it with that toxic masculinity bullshit. <laughs> I've been getting manicures from from the pools for weeks, and he shows him his shiny nails. A I'm- mask is never unarmed. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and stop over at the pools of paradise while you're gone. Yeah, well, you're going to do it for that uh, assailant's fan lady, right? Well, 
not gonna tell you all the details on that. Okay, you look, you live your best life, Pop, right? <laughs> and he like he gives him a really big hug and uh you know, pats him on the cheek and he's like, Look, I had a great time at the Brutaris Bowl. I'm glad we got to do that. I'm glad we've had the time we have. I'm just going on vacation for a couple of weeks, man. Don't worry. And don't run my fucking business into the ground, right? Tiffon says, Mike, you know I'm not going to let that happen. And Rupert's doing great. He's going to be just fine. You guys go and enjoy the vacation. It's much needed. I mean, I wish I was going with you, but, you know, I got things to do here. I got my cats, so I can't go. Oh, are you, oh you're, no. you're just deciding to fawn as a cat lady? Yeah. She sounds like Fan art that of just, Tifon just cats, happened. please. Yeah, yeah. Um, and about this time, Captain Ziva arrives at the hangar, ready to depart, looking even more fabulous than usual. Her silver-white hair falls in, in voluminous waves, swept to one side while the other is nearly shaved. She's had the ancient Aslanti battle dress extensively tailored to suit her. The doublet is fashionable and form-fitting while retaining its function. Dark blue with thick golden trim, tapered high in the front just under her waist, but falling low over her hips on the sides, and embroidered, and embroidered with golden thread filigree that upon closer inspection appear to be patterned after constellations. She wears matching pauldrons, long fingerless gloves, and knee-high boots, all over a black carbon-weave bodysuit trimmed in more golden thread. Wrapped around her neck, and billowing out behind her to either side is a lightweight powdered blue sheer cape trimmed in gold, like two ethereal wings trailing her as she walks. The cape is fastened with a small golden APA pin. On her hip, she carries an oversized hand cannon resting in a dark blue leather holster. The revolver itself is finished in brushed gold and filigreed along the frame, cylinder, and barrel. On her back, in a matching blue leather sheath is her sword, inevitable downfall. A black carbon steel curved blade with a golden edge, the grip wrapped in the same powder blue as her cape. All right, gentlemen, have we packed everything up? Are we ready to go? Did we check gas? Has everybody gone to the bathroom? Like, we'll get a bathroom on the ship. I, I was going to say the same thing. You guys are no fun. If you're going to be this stuffy the whole trip. He turns to Iron, though. He's like, she pulled you in with the, like, pretend this is work thing, right? A little bit. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, same, mate. Same. Um, I, I do... I want to make sure before we take off, everyone has packed the appropriate clothes. We all talked about this. I, I gave you options. These are what you can wear. You brought them, yes? I feel like Mike, if he got a tuxedo, would be wearing it right now. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not tuxedo time. This is travel time. Tuxedo time is I'm in aware. two days. Oh I'm my aware. God. Did, did Ziva bring a backup wardrobe just in case? I don't know what you're talking about. She would never <laughs> of do. Of course she did. Yes, she absolutely did. Yes. Nah, and you guys he's, see he's Etrim. He's not in his tux yet. Yeah, Etrim yeah, came with her and has like... He has his four arms are just full of these like trunks. Yeah, each arm is carrying giant yeah. trunks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean you guys load up on the Epic Tracer. The crew mostly is 
back together. And uh, as you guys are loading up, she kind of pulls your arm back a little bit, Mike. And she says, I left a little something for y'all on, on the bridge. And she just kind of turns her, her, her head and... and Devon, you mean? Yeah. What did Hold I on. say? Out. You said she. You just didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The only one that's talking like this. Right. You know. Uh, but she, yeah, she says that and uh, then she just, she gives you like a big hug, like wraps her arms around maybe like three quarters of your neck, you know. <laughs> I like, I know it sounds weird. I like want to make her roll a perception check. Uh, okay. It's gonna roll flat twenty. Okay, that's a five. <laughs> <laughs> she she's got tears in her eyes. She can't see. She doesn't get it. Um, and so you guys all board the ship, and the epic tracer crew begins to launch once again. Everybody, you know, Mike sits down in his gunner's chair. Fell, twirls his wrench, so he slides kind of easily into his engineer's station. Aaron slides into the pilot chair, and Ziva, with a huge smile on her face, happier than she could even imagine, stands at the or is in the captain's chair, and you can see on the bridge is a cactus that has been planted in the bridge at the science station. Captain? Oh. Is it sentient? No. <laughs> <laughs> Captain. Yeah. Zeno is now a cactuar. Xenophanes <laughs> 6, cactuar. <laughs> what do you say as the, as the epic tracer launches from Absalom Station to New Elysium? All right, crew. Good to have everybody back on board. I hope you're all ready for some well-deserved rest and relaxation. But be in your best behavior. We are, of course, putting forth our name as an organization. So everyone you talk to, let's think of it as a bit of an elevator pitch. You're all pushing the good of the course. Yes? Just kind of look around at everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah Captain. Huzzah! <laughs> That's the spirit, and she's not even gonna like acknowledge that that was lackluster. Um, she says, "All right, we're as ready as we're going to be." Oren, take us out, and we'll see you. Oh, there you go. We'll, we'll see, see you. <laughs> we'll see you. Season two, everybody. Season, Season two. two. Here we go. Woof. Woof indeed. Captain Ooh, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> hey, exactly. It's Star Day. All the joy was in this. It very, much, it very much felt like that, though. It like did. Started. Mm-hmm. Get some of the good rest and relaxation during the signal screams. <laughs> <laughs> going yeah. to a spa planet. No, not at all. This episode has been sponsored by Roll20. This is how we roll.